All right, Luke 7, verse 36. If you read along with me, I'm reading from the ESV. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. That's Jesus. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with them began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Today we are going to talk about worship. Okay. And we're going to talk about extravagant worship. All right. Uh, Here at New Philly, we have nine core values as a church. That means... Uh, the, you know, each of our campuses looks different. Okay? Sydney looks different from Seaside, which looks different from Itaewon, which looks different from Hillside. Every campus has its flavor, but there are nine core values that we as a church, that we carry, that every single campus lives out and we see just embodied in each campus. Okay? So th- there's nine core values. Okay? And number one is be extravagant in worship. Actually, I'm going to share the nine with you really quick, but I'm going I'm to I'm highlight this one today. All right, so number one, be extravagant in worship. Number two, freedom is for everyone. All right, if, you, if you know it, you can say it with me. Number three, father the fatherless. Number four, be faithful with the small things. Number five, the anointing flows from the top down. Number six, roll with the punches. Number seven. Supernatural is natural. Number eight, contend for the kingdom. And finally, number nine, dream big. Okay, those nine right there, those are our core values of New Philadelphia Church. We will not be a New Philadelphia Church if we do not embody those nine values. Okay, and those values are given to our church by the Lord. Right? It's not like we, we read some books. Okay, it's not like we as a church, we, we saw what the, you know, the latest trends that churches were doing. And we thought, oh, hey, that's a good one. We should do that. You know, all the churches are doing that these days. No, these values have come from the Lord. These are things that the Lord has established in our church. And it's important for us here in Sydney that we carry these nine core values. Right, this is what makes us New Philly. Okay, we, are, we have a unique Sydney flavor but we are still New Philly here in Sydney. All right, so it is not an accident that the first core value is be extravagant in worship. It's number one for a reason. Right, if you've ever been to a New Philly uh, Sunday service up in Korea, any of the campuses there, you will see that they are extravagant in worship. The okay, first time I visited New Philly service, you know, I'm used to, like, going to church, and I'm pretty extravagant in worship myself, okay? You know, even before I was a pastor, right, I, I would always, like, raise my hands, okay, I would always really sing loud, 
Even though I'm, I can't sing that well and I'm off key, right? And the people around me probably thinking, man, that guy needs to quiet down. Okay, but it's all, I didn't care because God loves my voice and God loves my worship. You know, they have a problem with their ears, okay? It's not my problem, right? Okay, because I think my voice sounds beautiful to the Lord. And even my wife, she tells me that I need to work on my singing, okay? But it's okay. It's okay. I got, I got no shame because I love to worship extravagantly. So I'm used to going to, going, you know, going to church and being, you know, one of the only ones who would worship extravagantly. And so, you know, but I don't care what people think, right? Because I, I want to worship the Lord. I go to New Philly, and I'm like, I'm pretty t- tamed down, you know, because everybody's like, they're not just raising their hands. Some people are like dancing like this, right? They're like, some of them are like going on the floor and like just, just walking across and dancing across the front, the front of the space. And I'm just like, man, that person can't even dance, right? They need to stop that. No, actually, I, actually, I was thinking that about some of you, right? But, you know, some people, um, but, you know, this is how extravagantly they worship at New Philly is that there's, they don't care what other people think. There's no shame because they are pouring out their hearts to the Lord. And the New Philly leaders, we didn't, we didn't, you know, it's not like just, look, just looked at the church and thought, hey, let's be a church that is extravagant in worship because that will be a cool church. No, no, it, it's not like some, some strategy that the leaders came up with. It just, it's just something that was already part of the church. Because there were so many people who were encountering God, encountering Jesus so powerfully. God was transforming their lives, really touching their hearts so powerfully that they just, they just overflowed with spontaneous, extravagant worship. That's the kind of worship that was already there. And so when the New Philly leaders prayed and gathered together to talk about, hey, what are the core values of our church? Number one, extravagant in worship. It's already there. That's already the worship that it was. Okay? And New Philly might not be the most technically sound or the most musically gifted. Yeah, they got, they got, you know, we, got, we got some good musicians up here. Okay? But, you know, there might be churches with better technical aspects of music. Right? But what makes New Philly New Philly is not necessarily the technical. We, I mean, we want to work at that and be excellent at that too. But beyond that, it's the extravagance in the spirit of worshiping the Lord. Right? And we need to see that here in Sydney. Okay? Because without that, New Philly does not feel like New Philly. Alright, so let's look at what uh, is extravagant worship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this impromptu, all right, spontaneous. You got to show me some grace, okay? But, you know what? You know what? Do we see extravagant worship in the Bible, right? You know, sometimes I will, I will worship extravagantly in a church where, where everyone else is just, just clapping their hands. Praise you, right? They're like, God, you are so good. It's like, you don't, you don't really sound like you really think God is that good, you know? Like, you think God is pretty boring the way you're worshiping, you know? It's like, but you know, that worship is supposed to be extravagant. And we're going to see that in this passage that we just read. Right? We have this woman, okay, and the Bible says she was a woman of the city who was a sinner. Everybody knew that. Even the Pharisee's house who Jesus had come over to, that Pharisee knew this woman's a sinner. If Jesus knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't let her pour out her worship onto him like that. You know what I mean? Because the Pharisee didn't worship extravagantly. The Pharisee had dignity. He sat all proper and straight, right? Everything about him was so meticulous and punctilious and so proper and, you know, you would never see a Pharisee just, just getting all on the floor and saying, yeah, Lord, worship you. Like, you wouldn't see no Pharisee raising his hands. You wouldn't see no Pharisee lifting up his voice even though he can't sing. Right? You wouldn't see no Pharisee dancing. Pharisee don't do that. All right? Pharisee will clap his hands to the beat. Okay? All right? He's, he'll be on key. Or if he's not, he'll, he'll sing really softly. But... Which of these two, which of these two's worship 
was Jesus more pleased with? Which of these two's worship did Jesus delight in? All right? I want, I want to ask you that today because, you know, when you come to worship the Lord, what kind of heart are you coming with, right? Are you more concerned with what other people think? Are you more concerned with just, just getting through? You know, uh, you know, what I see in a lot of churches is that people don't understand what worship is because a lot of churches, we have half the congregation coming in after the worship is over or maybe two-thirds of the way through the worship. All right, I'm, not, I'm not trying to guilt, guilt you guys, okay? All right, so if you came in after the worship, hey, it's all good, right? No, no, no condemnation, all right? We, we love you, we, we, we welcome you, and we want to see you continue to come out and, and encounter the Lord. But I'm just saying that uh, for people in a lot of churches, when they, when they come out, it shows, it shows that they don't understand what, what worship is. Some people think that worship is mainly about the message, it's about getting a really convicting and powerful sermon that challenges me, that speaks to me, okay? Listening to really great speakers like Pastor Paul and Pastor Jamie and also through video, all right? And, you know, the sermon is important, okay? The message is important, right? We need to hear the Word of God being preached to us, calling us to repent, calling us to change, declaring God's goodness and His grace, and speaking into our lives. Yeah, we need to hear that. That's very important. But that's not, that's not the only or even the main part of worship. Right? Worship goes both ways. We have God speaking to us through the message, but also we respond back to God. Where we offer from our own hearts offering of worship unto the Lord. See, we also give to God. We give Him our worship. And so if, if, you don't, if you miss the praise and the worship part of the, of, the, of the service, that shows that maybe you don't fully understand what worship is. Okay, so there's no condemnation. It's okay. okay? But I just want to present to you today, what, what does that mean to engage our hearts in worship? All right, to, to present and give from our hearts an offering unto the Lord. All right, so we see this woman. Okay, and it says, when she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. That means when she heard that Jesus was in that house, she went there because she wanted to be where Jesus was. She, she got out of where she was. She got out of her comfort zone, and she went to be there because Jesus was there, because the presence of the Lord was there. Right, and now the Bible says in Psalm 22, I think it's Psalm 22. Okay, I didn't look this up because, again, this is spontaneous. Right? But, you know, the, the, in the Psalms it says, the Lord is enthroned on the praises of his people. That means God's presence dwells where his people praise him. When his people worship him, when his people lift up their hearts to God, God is there with them in their worship, in their praise. That means the presence of God doesn't come to our service when I get up here to give the message. No, the presence of God is here when we are worshiping and praising the Lord in music and in song. Right? Because God loves, God is so delighted in the worship of his people. And he, and he wants to see that. Right? He sees the worship that Sam is offering and that Lillian is offering and that Kevin is offering and that each of us are offering. And the Bible says our worship is like a fragrant incense unto the Lord. I don't know about you. I'm not that into incense. Okay? Because I'm a guy. And, you know, if you're a guy and you like incense, that's cool too, right? Okay. Wait. wait. There's, there's no judging in this house, okay? I'm just saying, for me, for me, I'm not, I'm not that into incense. But, you know, sometimes my wife, she likes to, like, you know, like those, those wooden little sticks. I don't know what that is, right? And like sometimes light candles throughout the house. But, but, you know, the Bible says that our worship, it rises from our hearts like an incense, a sweet and fragrant aroma unto God. And, he, and he, he's like smelling that worship. That's, that's kind of weird, right? But <laughs> that's, that's what the Bible says. Right? He's like, he, he, he receives that worship and it's pleasing fragrance unto him. He sees the worship that you as an individual offer 
unto him on Sunday afternoon. And he delights in that. As you are offering your fragrant aroma unto the Lord. He's delighting in us as a campus, as a church, as a whole. As a church body, the offering that New Philly Sydney is offering in worship to the Lord on May 11, 2014. He receives that and it's a fragrant aroma unto him. It's a worship that is different from the worship that New Philly Hillside offers or that another church can offer on Sunday morning. But it's the worship that we offer unto God. It's a, it's a fragrant, unique aroma unto God. And as he receives that, that brings a delight to his heart and a smile to his face. Because the Lord delights in our worship. He is present in our worship. And John chapter 4 says, The Father is seeking true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. That means God is on the lookout. God is searching throughout the world. And he's searching. Throughout this room, where are my true worshipers? Where are my true worshipers? Are they going to worship me in spirit and in truth this morning, this afternoon, today? He's looking. And he wants, he's looking for true worshipers. He's hungry to find true worshipers. He's not nonchalant about it. He's not just chilling on some really luxurious couch up in heaven. You know, like wearing this robe. Do you always picture, like, Jesus in a robe or something, right? Like, I don't know why, but anyway, so, like, yeah. Anyway, so he's up there, right? He's not, like, just chilling out. Like, oh, there's, there's a worshiper. Oh, that's cool. You know, like, oh, yeah, oh, that person's not really into worship. Oh, that's cool. No, he, he is seeking. He is looking for worshipers. Right? In spirit and in truth. What does that mean? That means in spirit. That means your spirit. But in truth, that means your mind, right? You worship in truth. You worship knowing who God is. You don't just worship some idol or some false god. No, you worship Jesus, and you worship God the Father and the Holy Spirit, and you worship him for who he is in truth, but you also worship it in spirit. That means you engage with your heart and with your soul and with your emotions. Right? You worship in spirit and in truth. Some churches are really good at worshiping in truth. And they sing songs that have really long words in them, okay? And, and, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like really, really strong in doctrine. But they were written like hundreds of years ago, okay? And yeah, you guys know, right, these hymns that, and, you know, I, I love hymns. I love worshiping in hymns. There's really, really rich truth in there. And then there's other churches that are really strong in worshiping in spirit, okay? They're very loud, very emotional, right, and very extravagant, but... They just, you know, there's, there's, not, there's not as much truth maybe, right? But, you know, God is looking for worship. is worship in spirit and in truth. And that is, that's what he's looking for from you, all right? He is looking into your heart, and, he's, and, he's, and he, he wants you to become a worshiper. And what we see here, this woman, she was extravagant. She heard that Jesus was in that house. She goes there right away. Let me tell you something. Jesus is in this house. And if you know that Jesus is in this house, you would want to come for the worship. You wouldn't want to come at 3.30 when the worship is over. Because you know that Jesus is present here, and you want to engage with him and offer your heart to him. Right? So that's the first thing that we see, is that she comes where Jesus is. But does she come with nothing? She comes prepared with an offering. She brings an alabaster flask of ointment, of perfume. Right? Doesn't mean, you know, you don't got to come to worship with, you know, like smelling all nice. Okay? Like, you know, but it's not like, it's not like God is pleased with the actual smell. But, but, you know, what did that represent? This woman, that alabaster flask of ointment, that was very, very costly. It cost her... A lot. How much exactly? I don't know. If I had prepared this sermon, I would know. <laughs> but because I did it, I don't know. But it cost her a lot. Okay? Okay, it said it. Right, I don't know. Okay, I don't got time. But, um, you know, it probably cost her at least like a year's worth of wages. 
If I'm wrong, don't be mad, okay? But let's say, for example, right, a year or two, or maybe more. Think about that. Would you offer unto the Lord a year's worth of your wages? Oh, man, God, I love you. But, man, a year, that's a, that's a lot of hard work, right? That's a lot of sweat. That's a lot of effort that you have to put in to earn that money. That's my money. I have to work for that. Well, this lady, this woman, she didn't just get that alabaster flask out of nowhere. No, she was, she, that was probably her most precious prized possession, what was worth most to her in her life. And she prepares that, and she brings it to the Lord, to Jesus. She doesn't come empty-handed. Now, this is not a sermon about offering of money. Okay, this is about worship. Okay, you see, that alabaster flask, she broke it. Think about it. You don't need an, a whole flask of ointment to put on somebody, right, to make them smell nice. Okay, I mean, this was symbolic too, right? She was, she was uh, anointing him. It was a symbolic act as well. It wasn't just like, oh, Jesus, you know, I, I saw you the other day. And like, man, you know, you got you to gotta take a shower. It wasn't like that. It was nothing like that, right? It, it, it was symbolic of what she was, anoint, she was anointing him. Okay, and it represented what, what she was pouring out onto him. But think about it. When you put on perfume, you just put a little, like you just spray it into the air and you just walk into it, right? So you got to keep that balance, you know? You don't, you don't want to stank in too much, right? Okay? But this lady, she, she poured the whole thing. Man, that, that was probably some, that, you know, I'm, I'm sure it smelled nice, but that's probably strong, a strong smell. What, what, is she, what is she doing? That's a little extravagant, right? We see elsewhere in the Bible as well that when there was another woman who, who broke perfume before the Lord and anointed him, some people criticized what she was doing. They said, that, that cost 300, 300 days of wages. That's like a whole year. Right? That could have been given to the poor. You know how many people that could have helped? Like, why is Jesus letting, letting this happen? Do you know like, how we could steward that money and use it more effectively for the kingdom of God? And people were like giving all these arguments. That's, that's too excessive. That kind of worship, that's too much. Don't, don't, don't worship like that. You know, that's like, just, 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 hold, just hold back a little bit. You know, just, just have, a little, you know, have a little dignity. And people were criticizing. And Jesus says, don't criticize this woman. She has done a beautiful thing. And what she's done will be written down and shared for generations forever. See, even us, 2,000 years later, we know the story of these women because of the extravagance of their worship. It could have been given to the poor. It could have been used in many other ways. But the Lord was pleased with this extravagance in worship. You see, for me, right, when I was, when I graduated, I, I met the Lord in college. No, I'm sorry. I met him in uni, all right? So I met the Lord in uni, right? And, uh, bef- you know, I was kind of like this woman. I was a sinner, okay, and... A lot of people knew that I was a sinner, right? But when I turned back to the Lord, man, I just, just so much love for God, so much passion for God, I couldn't contain it. I had to worship Him. I had to raise my hand. I had to lift my voice. I had to praise my God because He was so good. His love was so sweet. It was the best thing that I had ever experienced in my life, so much better than all the pleasures of the world. So I had to worship my God. Every time I came to worship, I poured out my heart before him. I didn't care if nobody else in the room was lifting their hands. I had to raise my hands. Right? That's how extravagant I was. And um, I remember that when I graduated from college, I went into full-time campus ministry. Okay, that means I had to raise money. So I, had, I became a support-raising staff. Okay? All my friends, they went to all these Really, really prestigious careers and fields where they make a lot of money and they get really established or they went to really nice grad schools, all this stuff. I went into full-time campus ministry. 
that, that might be a little excessive. Actually, people told me, hey, you went to this good school. You, got, you can't, no, no, no. People, no, people don't go into ministry. No, like, that's, that's like a waste. But I had to, I had to give my life in that way. And for the past 10 years, I've been doing ministry. I've had no free Fridays throughout my entire 20s. I'm turning 30 in a few months. That's a lot of Fridays. Okay? And when my wife, when we started dating, she lost her Fridays. Because she would, she would come with me to prayer meetings and youth group Friday meetings and, and, you know, all this stuff that happens on Fridays. And, I, you know, I'm turning 30 soon. So when you turn 30, you start thinking about how you spent your 20s, right? How you, how you made your decisions about how to spend your life. And, uh, yeah, as I've been thinking about turning 30, I was thinking, man, what, what kind of, you know, what kind of decisions did I make that throughout my entire 20s? I didn't make a lot of money. I didn't hang out on Fridays. This is what, just, just ministry for 10 years. That's all I did. And, you know, there, in recent months, I've been having questions, right? Like, oh, man. You know, I wish I got experience in the corporate world and made some more money, pay off my debts. I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. I could have made better decisions with my life. I was a little excessive in my worship and passion for the Lord. And I started thinking about that. You know, and I, and I knew that, you know, it, it was a lie of the enemy. But I was, still, I was still, like, just having those questions, right? Now, I wasn't, I wasn't being all, like, I wasn't, like, depressed or anything, but, you know, just, just those doubts. And then, you know, at the uh, New Philly Churchwide Retreat this past weekend, they had an altar call where they invited up all the students who were part of Emmaus, which is the, uh, the uni ministry, the campus ministry of New Philly. All right, we're going to start one up here, too, one day. We'll see when. But anyway, so Emmaus, right, it's the, it's the ministry to college students. And there was an altar call. If you're a student and you feel like God is calling you to give your life, to serve in ministry, full-time ministry, come up to the front to receive prayer. There's like 20 young kids coming up. And, there, and, the, and then P, Pastor Christian, he said, raise your hands to the Lord right now. They were like all like raising their hands. And I was just, I was just looking at them. And I was like, these kids, they, don't, they have no idea what they're getting into. They have no idea what they're going to face. Because when I did it, it was hard. No, there was challenges that came with it. I'm not glorifying how hard it was. I'm just saying, you know, there, there's hard stuff that they don't know what they're getting into. And then as I saw them just raising their hands and just offering a costly sacrifice unto the Lord, I just felt God's heart for them. And God's heart was so pleased. They were so precious in his eyes. That even though they don't know what they're doing, even though some other people might say, that's excessive, that's too much, God was so pleased. Even though later on down the road, they might have questions, just like I did. To, to God, that kind of offering, pouring out their hearts and their lives excessively to the Lord, God is so pleased. And I felt like God was saying that to me too. Paul, you've been wrestling with these doubts. You thought maybe you could have made better decisions because you were, you know, you were naive, foolish little 20-year-old making these decisions. Paul, I'm so pleased with your worship. I'm so pleased with your worship. See, we have a God. He delights so deeply in our worship unto him. It means, this means worshiping with our lives, but also worshiping him with song and with our hearts and lifting up our voices. This woman, she didn't care what other people thought. You know, a lot of times we come into it, oh, should I raise my hand? Oh, who's, who's behind me? Who's, who's looking? Right? Oh, like, oh, this is, this is high enough today. You know, I can't go higher than this. You know, like shoulder height, right? Maybe we think that, oh, I can't, I can't sing too loud. I, I don't want to stick out with my voice. You know, maybe you know, we, we think these thoughts. Even as a pastor, I think, these, I think these thoughts. 
Well, actually, I don't really care. I'm not a good singer. I don't really care. Okay, I, sat, I, st- I, st- I stood behind Terrence today, Terrence Tam, and I'm sure my voice was off key, especially that last song because it was really high, right? I couldn't reach the notes. I was like changing octaves in the middle of the song. I was like, oh, I can't reach that one, <laughs> you know? But I don't really care. I'm sorry, Terrence, but, you know, I'm going to still worship, right? I'm going to worship like that because that's my God and I need to worship him. I mean, some of us, we care too much. This, this woman, does she care what the Pharisee thought? She's like making a fool of herself. She's like getting on her knees. She's crying in front of everybody. She's breaking this alabaster flask, which costs her so much money. She's doing something which is not ordinary. She's like on her hands, on her knees, wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. Woman, what are you doing? Like, don't touch that man's feet with your hair. Right? You're, you don't want your hair on his feet, you know, like, that's weird. Like, you know, tearing and, and a, your tears all over Jesus. It's like, yo, woman, yo, get off me, man. It's like too intimate, you know. It's like weird, right? So I don't want nobody to do that to me, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's just weird. That's extravagant. She didn't care what nobody thought. She didn't care how that Pharisee judged her. You know what I mean? And Jesus is so pleased with that. And yet, we care so much what the person behind us thinks. You know what I mean? We come to worship the Lord, to praise God. And we care more what the person behind us thinks than what our maker thinks, than what our God thinks. We care more about impressing the people behind us than about impressing and and, and lavishing our worship unto God. And delighting His heart and pleasing His heart. We fear man more than we fear God. We care about man's opinion more than God's opinion. And see, to be extravagant and worship, you, got, you can't worry about what other people are thinking. You know, what, whether other people are clapping or whether they're singing loud. No, it's, it's the worship that you're bringing unto the Lord. And you see, and it's also... As you worship, it's as you sing that your heart comes into a place of worship. A lot of times we think, oh, I'm not in a place of worship right now. I can only worship if my heart is in the right place. Well, then you're only going to worship like two Sundays out of the year. You know what I mean? How, how often do we, well, do we, oh, I'm so joyful today, ready to worship the Lord. I can't, you know, like we don't, we, don't, we don't walk in a lot of times like that. Even as a pastor, even as a leader. It's as you sing that you enter into that place. Don't let your heart lead you. You lead your heart. You tell your heart. You tell your soul. Oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. That psalm, Psalm 103, it says, forget not all his benefits. You know why he says that to his own soul? Who talks to their own soul? That's weird. There's weird people in the Bible. But you know what? It's okay because he talks to his own soul. And he says, my soul, you don't feel like blessing the Lord, but bless the Lord, my soul, and don't forget his benefits. Why? Because we forget what God does for us. We forget who he is in our lives. We are so forgetful as people. God does amazing things in our lives. One month later, we've totally forgotten, and we're struggling with the same thing again. And what you got to learn to do is say to your soul, oh, my soul, forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who forgives all your iniquity, who takes you up out of the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. This This is who God is. This is what he does. So tell your soul to praise him because he's worthy of your worship. You are made to worship God. That's why you were created, to praise and worship God. And so it's as you open your mouth, it's as you lift up your voice, as you come into that place, that you will begin to come to that place of worship. Don't let your heart lead you. You lead your heart. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. He is worthy. He is glorious. He deserves all my soul, all my worship, whether I feel like it or not. And as you go, that's a a lot of times that's when the feelings come. And if you're a sinner, 
Maybe some of you guys are coming into this place and you're thinking, oh, I've been really far from the Lord. I, God can't receive my worship. I got to get my life right, but, you know, I'll just be here or I'll come in for the message to hear a nice message, but I can't, I, I can't offer worship to God. How's that going to be pleasing to God? Look at this woman. She's a sinner. The Bible says more than once, this woman, a sinner. It's like, I think she's a sinner. If, you, if, you're, if you're known by the title sinner, like, I, well, I don't even, we don't even know her name. It just says, this woman, a sinner. Like, if, if that's her identity, I think, I think she's done some bad things with her life. I think she was kind of far from the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I think she had a reputation in her city. People knew her for a certain lifestyle maybe. She don't care. She comes to the Lord. Says, you know, the Pharisee might judge me. That person might judge me. But Jesus, he's going to receive me. He, because he is the one who forgives my sins. And so I don't need to be all clean before I come into his presence. He's the one who makes me clean as I come into his presence. Jesus says, he compares the two. He tells a story. Right? Let's say there were two people who had a debt. One owed 500 denarii. That, so a denarius is one day's wage. So 500 days of wages. Let's say that's two years worth. One person owed two years worth of wages in debt. The other, 50 denarii. That's still a lot, right? 50, 50 days, that's like seven weeks. That's still a lot of money for some of us, right? <laughs> but that's still a lot of money though, right? Think about it. If the man to whom they owed money canceled both their debts, who's going to love that, per- that man more? And the Pharisee's like, well, uh, probably the guy who owed more money. You are right. You're so smart. <laughs> You're a genius. Okay. But who, who loves that man more? It's the person who's been forgiven more. Cancel a greater debt. Let me tell you something. Everybody who you see here worshiping, we are sinners. I am a sinner. If you knew my past life, okay, I can't go into detail right now. But, man, I was a sinner. I did some shameful things with my life. Many of us. I've done dark, shameful things. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it anymore because I'm washed in the blood of Christ. I used to live in guilt and condemnation. I don't need to live in that anymore because I'm forgiven. That's what the gospel is, that we are forgiven of our sins, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And so through his blood, I can come clean into his presence. Even today, I come into his presence. Every day is a day of repentance for me. I'm not perfect, even as a pastor. This past week, oh, some of you are surprised. I know, I know. I know, I, I, I look like I'm really, really holy, right? Okay, like, oh, man, that guy never struggles. But actually, once in a while, every day, you know, even this morning, I was being less than loving to my wife and my family. And I had to repent to God and to them. Before I came to church, I had to say, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm serious. I had to do it this morning. And I had to repent and come before the Lord. And I'm knowing that God is a God who will not turn me away. He's a God who receives and to whom has been forgiven much, he who has been forgiven much loves much. God has forgiven me, God has forgiven us. You know how much the Lord has forgiven you? Some of us, all we can see is our sins. We think, my sin is so great. The pastor up there, all these people who are raising their hands, maybe, you know, maybe like they're really holy, but my sin is too great. Who is the greater worshiper? Who loves Jesus more? The one who's been forgiven little or the one who's been forgiven much? It's the one who's been forgiven much. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. When I first realized that Jesus has wiped away all my sins, 
and all the backsliding and all the times I turned away from him and hurt so many people and just made a mess of my life. And Jesus has forgiven me all of that. It was so overwhelming. And I just couldn't help but just give my whole life to the Lord. And I had to give even my youth, my entire 20s. Some people said, that's too excessive. You know, you should go into a real career. I was like, man, what you talking about a real career, right? This is a real career, okay? But man, that would offend me so much, you know? But, but man, when I knew how much the Lord had forgiven me, I, I just had to give my whole life to the Lord. If you know how much God has forgiven you, you ain't going to come into worship and be like, oh, praise the name of Jesus. Right? You, you, you can't do that. First thing, you got to know how much God has forgiven you. Okay. Let me tell you, here at this church, we are, we are not close to perfect. Just ask people how they met the Lord. Okay. Just ask them, right? We heard, we heard Pastor Diddy's servant, I mean, testimony a couple of weeks ago, right? You know, that's, that's, just, that's, just who, that's just who we are. We're sinners forgiven and redeemed by God. That's why we love him. Okay, and so we are not ashamed to come into his presence and give extravagantly from our hearts unto the Lord. Because that pleases him. And that blesses me too. That blesses you when you come to worship. That puts you back into the right. You know, sometimes, you know, as Christians, we all struggle. Okay, so if you struggle, you, you're, not, you're not weird. All right, you're, that's normal. Okay, if you struggle, I struggle as a Christian. Sometimes there's times when it's hard for me to pray. As a Christian, sometimes you go through seasons where it's really dark, it's really hard, and you can't even pray. Maybe you're struggling with sin. Maybe you're struggling with suffering and all these things coming at you, and you just... And you, you can't pray. Your spirit's not there. You know what you do? You sing. That's what someone taught me. When you can't even pray, you worship and you sing. Because that's God giving you the words to, to sing back unto him. A lot of times when I can't even pray, I'll turn on a song. And I'll just worship the Lord. And my heart is not in the right place. But that's bringing me back to the right place. Psalm 73 talks about this guy who's struggling with so many doubts, so many questions about other people's lives and his own life. And he's struggling with the Lord. And he says, God, I can't understand this. What's happening? And in the key verse in the psalm, it says, then I entered into the sanctuary of the Lord. Then I understood. See, it's when we come into worship. Sometimes we are so confused spiritually. And when you come into the place of worship, that's when things become clear. Maybe you're struggling with, God, where am I in my life? Lord, did I make bad decisions? You know, what am I doing? And then you come into the place of worship. And God doesn't give you the answer. Maybe God just speaks his delight over you and, say, and he says, my child, you're right where you need to be. And I'm pleased with you. And it's like, Yes. God didn't even give me an answer, but now, now I understand. You see, a lot of times the head problem is actually a heart problem. And when the heart gets right in worship, then all your confusion, all your doubts, they start to come into order and start to come into place. It's not just hearing a good sermon. Sometimes you got to go into worship. And that's where things will come and to make sense, and you will come back unto the Lord. And where you need to be. That's, how, that's his way of bringing you back. It's through worship. Even when your, your heart is twisted and knots. And you, know, you, you just feel like this, this brute beast before the Lord. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 73. I was like a brute beast before you. My heart was embittered. My soul was pricked. But I entered into your sanctuary. Then I came to my senses. Even when you feel like your mind, your heart is totally not in the right place, you enter into worship. That's God's way of bringing you back onto him. So don't just stand there thinking, I can't worship, I can't praise. There's, there's no reason why you can't. God is, God is wanting to draw you. And he's looking for his true worshipers. This woman... 
She didn't care. She didn't care what other people thought. She didn't care who judged her. You see, the religious people, like the Pharisees, their worship is very stiff. Okay, maybe they don't even clap their hands. Their worship is very stiff. This woman, her worship is pretty out there. Who knows their Bible better? The Pharisees. Who seems more religious? Who seems more holy? You know what I mean? But God loves this woman. He says, she loves me more. Not because all her knowledge or, or she's so proper and religious. God is not looking for religion. He's, he wants your heart. He says, my child, give me your heart. Give your heart to me in worship. Offer it unto me in praise. That is what I delight in. And how does he end? By the way, can, can I get the time? Okay, all right. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. But So he says to the woman at the end, he says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He's so delighted with her. Just, just imagine that. Imagine when you're worshiping, that you're, you're just breaking the alabaster flask of your heart. And you're just offering it unto the Lord. And if someone thinks you're weird, it's okay. God is pleased with that. <laughs> Even if you can't sing, God is pleased with that. Even if you can't dance, feel free. Raise your hands. Enter into worship. All right, New Philly, core value number one. Be extravagant in worship. Know who you're worshiping. I will not have a church of lukewarm worshipers. Okay, hey, if, if you're coming back to the Lord, right, and you just, or maybe you're exploring who God is for the first time, it's okay. It's okay. You don't, you don't gotta, you don't gotta raise your hands because you, you know, maybe you know, you know, you're not there yet. It's, it's all right. Okay, you know, you know, it's a process too. Okay, and, and you know, we want to walk with you through that process, and we want you to come to know this God. But you know, for for most of us. We, we just need to be exhorted and encouraged. You know, that's where we need to come. That, 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 kind, of, that kind of mindset, that kind of heart. Let's, let's give God extravagant worship. Let's not be a church that is lukewarm. That, that feels cold. You know, we're praying that, this, that our church, when people walk in, they will just sense the presence of God in the worship. And they will say, I can't come late. I can't come at 3.20. I can't come at 3.30. Because I'm going to miss the best part. Pastor Paul's preaching is really good. But, you know, you know worship. Man, I got to come for the worship. Because I want to praise my God. And you worship in your private place when you're by yourself. You worship in small groups, in community groups. But you also worship in the congregation. If you read the Psalms, it says, I will worship in the great congregation, in the assembly. Because you know what? There's a power when you come to worship, right? And when you worship, you could stir someone else's heart to worship. It's not just the praise leader when everyone's up here singing, oh, for, you know, I, I, I can't do what she does, right? That's why I'm not a worship leader, okay? But, you know, it's, it's even when you hear other people worshiping in the congregation that your heart is stirred as well. Because we each offer a unique worship unto God as individuals. We, every time I see Sam, this brother, by the way, this brother's name is Sam Keel. He's visiting us from Korea, right? His worship is intense. Okay? This is very intense. This is an intense worship, right? Other people, their worship is very sweet, and yet it's extravagant in their own. You know, everybody worships with their own flavor. But as, you, as we worship together, your heart is stirred. As you hear someone else's voice whether it's on key or not, and you hear their heart to God, your heart is stirred up. And so you can be a blessing to other people through your own worship. You should, you should, you should sing and lift your voice so that other people can hear you. Don't think, oh, I'm bothering other people. No, you're not. You're, you're blessing other people. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. 
Ephesians 5, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know what comes right before that? It says, be filled with the Spirit. How? By speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. How do you, one way that we help each other be filled with the Spirit is by praising and worshiping together so that other people can hear us and hear our hearts to the Lord. So if you want to come to worship and you want to bless other people, all right? All right, work, work, work on your singing too, okay? Like don't sing everything off key, right? Because that's, that's a big, but you know, I'm not that good. But I sing, I, I make sure people hear me. Okay, I'm not thinking about them, but I can't sing soft. Unless, unless I can't reach the notes, right? Then, like, then I sing softly, okay? But any song I can hit the notes, I sing loud. And that's how we should praise. All right, so let's be a church. Extravagant. Pour out our hearts. Don't care what people think. Because care what God thinks. Because he is pleased with that. All right? All right, let's pray. Yes, God. Father, we, we praise you, Lord. You are, you are an amazing God. You are worthy of all our hearts and all our lives, Lord. And God, every single person here, Lord, we know in our heart of hearts that we were made to worship you, God. That is why we were created. That is where we find life and joy and peace. So, God, Lord, I just pray for every person in this room, every person part of this church, God. I pray that whatever's holding them back in their hearts, Lord, whether they think they're unworthy to come into your presence because of their sin, whether they feel like maybe they're struggling too much and they can't lift up their hearts to God, to you. Lord, I pray that you would break down those walls, break down those barriers, God. And, Lord, release a new anointing of worship upon our church, upon our congregation, God. Lord, a worship that is extravagant, Lord. A worship where we don't care what the person behind us thinks. But God, where our hearts and our eyes are fixed upon you. God, and where we enter into the place of worship, where we will lead our own hearts, God. And so, Lord, send your anointing upon our worship, Lord. That everyone who comes, they will know that you're here. That your presence is here. That your presence dwells upon the praises of your people. May New Philly, Sydney offer up sweet, fragrant incense and aroma unto you, O God. Help us to know, like this woman, how much we've been forgiven. How much we've been healed. Your love, which is so deep, so wide, that nothing can keep us from it, God. Lord, would you stir that up in our hearts, God that we will be the true worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. So we pray this, God, all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give God praise today.